We're thankful for the Johnsons uh, who serve the Lord faithfully, and so let's keep them in our prayers, their family, uh, their work, their ministry, and, and their lives. I hope this finds you well this morning. I don't know where you're watching our service from, um, but in spite of the fires and the earthquake and, and all that's gone on this past week, uh, I hope you and your family are safe and healthy. We're continuing on in our series, in our series on being an overcomer. And so we're finding that we as Christians are overcomers and that the Lord promises strength and peace during turbulent times. And these are turbulent times, aren't they? As if COVID and the social and political and economic problems weren't enough, now we're also dealing with uh, natural disasters and, and, and climate issues. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. And we're going to unpack these verses um, later in the, in the message this morning. But the gist of it is, is that we need to be wise. We must be wise in order to navigate these unpredictable times. So with this as the backdrop and all the challenges that our world is facing today, today we want to declare that as followers of Christ, we are overcomers. Overcoming is not just something you do. This is our identity in Christ. In spite of all the trouble around us, we have the ability to live above the circumstances and not to be dragged down by every trial and hardship that we see. Now, this doesn't mean that we, we bury our heads in the sand or we try to uh, block out the bad news um, because I think that's a temptation. It's just to try to not watch the news or listen to what's going on because it, it makes us feel uneasy. As God's people, we are to be informed. We are to be engaged in the world around us. That's why he put us here. The Johnsons, you know, the video that we just watched, they're overcomers. For the past six months, like they said, they've been COVID refugees. They've been homeless, in constant transition. But they continue to minister to teach, and to throw baby showers, right? Can you ladies imagine hosting a baby shower over Zoom for somebody around the world at like 3 o'clock in the morning, your time? You know, it's such a, such a sacrifice, such a, um, an effort of love and work that they do. And they lament. I think you can see it in the video. They're sad about not being able to return to their home or to their work. But they don't ignore the situation. They keep praying and serving and loving. And this is what an overcomer does. Our sermon title today, this morning, is Standing Strong in Battle. Standing Strong in Battle. Because there is a war going on. The days are evil. And the Bible tells us that there are evil forces behind much of what happens in the world. And the question for us today is, what are we to do? 
How do we overcome evil with good? Let's, let's take a moment and pray. Father, we come before you, Lord, asking for your um, presence with us. We ask that you minister to us, Lord. We ask that you give us strength for each day. Lord, I pray that you would just open our hearts to your word this morning. Open our hearts, Father, um, so that we may receive what you have for us today. Lord, I thank you for this day in Jesus' name. Amen. As I prepared for today, I was led to the book of Ephesians. Now, Ephesians breaks down into two parts. If you've ever looked at Ephesians, there's kind of two main points of it, and I want to go over those real quick. The first part of Ephesians describes our identity as believers in Christ. Okay, it talks about who we are in Christ. And so let me read a few key verses, and I want you to listen. Listen for your identity as an overcomer. Ephesians 1.13 says, And you, are, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Ephesians 1.18 and 19. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, I'm sorry, can we go back to Ephesians 1.18 and 19. I, I think I read that wrong. It says, um, the, next, the next one, actually, verse, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has called you to, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Okay, then in Ephesians 4.1, Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So we have received salvation. We have been given the Holy Spirit. We are marked as God's own. He has given us hope for the future and power in Christ. We are God's handiwork, created for Christ Jesus. Then Paul says to live lives worthy of our calling. This is our identity as believers. And I hope this is an encouragement to you because it's God's promise to us to work in our lives and to help us above the things that, that are taking place in our world. Now, the other half of Ephesians describes the implications for our new way of life. Because we are in Christ, this is how we should live. Ephesians 4.14 says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by the wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Ephesians 4.25 says, Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Ephesians 4.27, Do not give the devil a foothold. 
Okay, and there are a lot of opportunities in our world today, right, to do that. Anger, resentment, pride, materialism, lust, racism. Are these, are any of these a struggle for you? Ephesians 4.28 says, Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands. And then Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 again says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. See, we are no longer to be infants tossed to and fro. We are to grow in in maturity in Christ, speaking truth and building one another up. And we are to resist the devil We are to work hard, not act deceitfully, and we are to live in God's wisdom because the days are evil. So that's that's Ephesians in a nutshell, and I wanted this to kind of be the background for us in our main passage today, describing who we are in Christ and how we're supposed to live. And so Paul concludes Ephesians chapter 6, with his main point and his main passage this morning. And um, I'm going to invite Eric Aguero up here to uh, read our, our passage this morning. So Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 17. Uh, it's going to be read from the NIV version. Uh, armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces. Sorry. Uh... Spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of the devil, a day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate that. Um, hopefully you're able to hear the passage, um, and we're going to go into this in more depth. But the last part of Ephesians, Paul talks about the battle that's being waged between good and evil. Now let me ask you, if you're a Christian, I want to ask, do you remember the first time that you gave your life to Christ? When you accepted Christ in your heart and made a commitment to follow him. 
For some of you, that may have been a long time ago. Some of you, it might have been, you know, more recent. But I want you to think about that day. And on that day, you received the gift of eternal life. On that day, you became a child of God, an heir to his kingdom. I think we can, as Christians, never overstate the importance of that day. But on that day, something else happened. Something that you may not be aware of. On that day, you were drafted into God's army. You were placed on the front lines of a battle against a real enemy that seeks to cause harm in our lives. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. See, this verse is meant to put us on high alert that as soldiers of Christ, we have an adversary who wants to destroy us, who wants to devour us. And then Paul points out back in Ephesians, something that's critical for us to understand, which Eric read. In verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, I'm wondering if this surprises you, because we need to be clear about this. Spiritual forces of evil exist. And they manifest themselves in the world and in much of the world's problems. You see, when Paul says the days are evil, he's saying that the times in which we live are evil because they are filled with sin and they're influenced by these powers of darkness. Evil, okay, is not a word that we use very often, but evil exists within because of the sin in our lives and the sin in mankind, and evil exists without. Evil exists outside of us. Okay? It's a force that will cause mayhem and confusion and oppression in the world. Albert Einstein said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing what, what he said, but he says that when you look at the world and you look at creation, it's easy to see that there's intelligent design behind creation. But what's hard to explain is why there's so much evil and suffering. From a biblical point of view, evil does not reside only in those who commit acts of terror or who hurt others. Evil exists in the spiritual realm around us. For example, when we see animosity toward the Christian faith, okay, and we see a lot of that today, don't we? I mean, we see it in the workplace. We see it on college campuses. We see it maybe even in our own, in our own families. Animosity, resistance, opposition to Christ. The source of that opposition is often deeper. It's often deeper than just ignorance or resistance or secular thinking. It's spiritual. It is a battle with evil. Fellow man is not the ultimate enemy. 
Satan would have us think that we're to fight person to person, person versus person, and we're fighting flesh and blood. That's what the enemy wants us to think. And I'm sad to say that I think a lot of Christians approach it that way, that if we can destroy the other people or if we can make them believe in God, that we'll win. But that's simply not the case because there are spiritual forces of darkness behind these things. So having recognized evil, how do we stand against it? You know, I think I've kind of opened up this topic, you know, in a big way. And I'm not going to be able to explain all the reasons for evil and all the examples of evil that we see in our world. But let me just say that it starts with us. It starts with us that believe in Christ, that follow Jesus. We overcome evil with good when we learn to stand strong against Satan's schemes in our own lives. Knowing this, Paul uses the example of a Roman centurion, again, that Eric described in Ephesians 6, a Roman centurion dressed for battle. Right? And he tells us, Paul tells us, to put on the full armor of God. This is the way we defend ourselves against the enemy. So let's take a look at, at, at this, the armor of God as a soldier of Christ. There are six things here that Paul points out. The first, here in the middle, right smack dab in the middle, is the belt of truth. Ephesians 6.14, the first part says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. In Paul's day, the soldier's belt held everything in place. Okay, his tunic, his loins, his weapons of warfare all centered around the belt and the strength of the belt. For the believer, the truth holds everything together. Who is God? What is our identity in Christ? Where is our eternal home? These are truths that the evil one will try and twist and turn. He is the father of lies, and he attacks our culture, and he tries to attack us with lies and with misinformation. He wants to cause doubt and cause confusion. We need to be clear about the truth of God and the truth of Christ in our lives. The second is the the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, that goes around the the chest, obviously. Ephesians 6.14, the second part says, Stand firm then with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Now, the breastplate breastplate covers what? Your heart, your vital organs. The issue here is purity. Satan will always be looking for weakness and chinks in your armor. He'll be looking for ways to tempt you and to lead you to idolatry. Walking in right relationship with Jesus keeps your heart in check. It keeps it protected. It keeps you from giving the devil a foothold and will lead you into the paths of righteousness. So the breastplate of righteousness. The third is the gospel of peace. 
Ephesians 6.15 says, And with your feet, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So we're talking about the feet of peace. Okay, the shoes that you wear. I'm sure my father-in-law, uh, who was a podiatrist, who used to be a podiatrist, okay, can appreciate this one. As you can imagine, a soldier ready for battle, he needed good shoes to be sure-footed in battle. Once you lost your footing, right, you were in deep trouble. In order to stand firm, you need the gospel of peace and assuredness of your oneness with the Lord and his care for you. Satan will try to knock you off your feet with worry, with anxiety, with insecurity. And we can see this all around us in our society. Right? Paul says, steady yourself in the gospel of peace. Right? Be sure-footed in God's peace. And the fourth is the shield of faith. Ephesians 6.16 says, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You can be sure of this. In your Christian walk, and throughout your life, Satan is going to, he is going to fire flaming arrows of doubt at you. This is a tactic of his. Call it doubt. Call it crisis of faith. He wants you to question your beliefs. He wants you to question God's love for you. He'll make you question your identity. He'll make you question the church. Whatever he can do to weaken your faith, he'll try and do it. Hold on to your faith like a soldier would hold on to his shield in battle. Right? Because the arrows will fly. Doubts will come. But always remember that God is faithful and God is faithful to protect his people. So the shield of faith. Paul concludes with these last two pieces of armor. The helmet of salvation the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. I couldn't, couldn't find that for a second there. The sword of the Spirit. Ephesians 6.17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So in the same way that the breastplate protects our heart, right, the helmet protects our head. Satan wants to capture our minds and our thoughts. He wants to distract to despair, and to discourage. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, surrender your thoughts to Christ. Give God the thoughts in your mind and the intentions that you have. And finally, take up your sword. Okay, the sword is the only thing that can be used defensively and offensively here. Paul says, arm yourself with the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. 
when you feel weak and vulnerable, when you feel tempted by Satan, when you feel like giving up, you pray, you pray, and you grab your sword. You turn to the Word of God. You take refuge in Christ. Okay, and you resist the enemy. It is so important for us to put the Word of God in our hearts. Right, and to walk each day with the Word of, heart, the word of God on our minds. These six things, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit are critical for our survival against Satan and the powers of evil. Beloved, we are overcomers, but in this battle against evil, we need to be prepared. And if I were to summarize it in one thought, Okay, one thought, the armor of God basically means putting on Christ in our lives. This is where our protection comes from. This is where our peace, our faith, our salvation all come through the love and the life and the blood of Jesus Christ. In this war, we are overcomers, not because we're strong, not because we're smart or well-informed, but because we are in Christ for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against a powerful enemy with rulers, authorities, and forces of evil that are alive and active in our world today. And they seek to drag us down. They seek to pull us apart. But in the end, you and I, we have little to fear. We need to recognize that Satan is formidable and the enemy will attack but we need not fear. If we put on the armor of God, if we clothe ourselves in Christ, we will overcome. In fact, if you read Ephesians chapter 1, it's not even a fair fight. And I think scripture tells us this. The war is won. Okay? There are skirmishes and there are battles, but Christ is victorious. It's not even a fair fight. Let me... Let me close with what Paul says back in Ephesians 1, 18 through 23. And just listen to his words. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And then this part is, is really good. And his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, far above all power and dominion and every name that is evoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet, under Christ's feet, and appointed him to be head over everything in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fulfills everything in every way. Beloved, Christ reigns supreme, and as his people, we are overcomers. Let's live in that way. Let's pray.
Father, we come before you humbly because we know that you have won the war. You have won the victory, Lord. You are above all things. I pray, Lord, that as we grow in our walk with you, in our relationship with you, in our faith in you, Lord, that we will see that more and more, that there is nothing that can stand against you. And if we hide ourselves in you, if we put on the armor of God, Lord, there is nothing that can stand against us. So I pray that you would give us strength and peace during turbulent times, during difficult times in our world today. And we pray for your glory and your kingdom. And all these things we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.